Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Samson Folk, and you're listening to another episode in the short podcast series I'm doing about why people love basketball. Today, one of my favorite writers, Yasmin Duwala, she writes for Yahoo Sports, for Complex, and she's part of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. She does some of my favorite work covering the league, and I always appreciate her insights. Today, we're discussing pageantry. This is a really great episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about it. All the different ways that you know pageantry shows up in the NBA. So I hope you enjoy the episode. It's uh, it's really good. Hey, bro, Simon, say so. Hamstad, case closed. shots. Take those. Yasmin, what is your favorite thing about basketball? Uh, my favorite thing about basketball particularly NBA basketball is just like the pageantry uh, around the whole sport. I think that's what drew me to it um, initially before I understood the importance of winning and everything. I feel like just the, the, the showmanship of the sport is kind of what drew me to it. <laughs> okay. And so you wrote a piece a couple of years ago for the neon playbook, which I am quite frankly, devastated. That is no longer ongoing, but that's- <laughs> I need to resurrect it. <laughs> yeah. But in there, and it was about how you could watch the NBA if you haven't before. And in there, this quote, there are men playing out of unbridled passion, some out of pure vanity or a quest for worldly possessions, some to honor deceased loved ones and others to end cyclical poverty. On a nightly basis, you get to witness the manifestation and transformation of these purposes, end quote. Where does pageantry fit in there? And is the pageantry of the NBA organic? Yeah, I think it's for the majority organic because obviously you have um, you have figures in the NBA that were kind of groomed for their position since birth. Like, I feel like we're in an age where um, so many players um, are the, the sons of NBA players themselves. <laughs> so um, obviously you have that population coming out. But I think that um, what, what makes that, um, organic is I think perhaps the accessibility of basketball in the West, um, that so many populations, particularly African-Americans, um, and now we're seeing, um, international players as well, see it as a genuine, um, avenue to become who they want to be. Like they see it as a way to become, uh, they see it as an actual viable career option. And um, I think that is what gives it the authenticity. And so pageantry, as you understand it, just for the audience, because I think a lot of people, pageantry is maybe, you know, campy for some people, or maybe right. they understand it just as like a beauty pageant. So what is it to you? To me, um, it is the entertainment aspect of the sport. And I think that's what makes um, the NBA so unique uh, in regards to other um, professional sports. I think that the um, performance, um, the even the style of play 
hinges so much on the visuals uh, that is incomparable to so many other leagues where um, the uh, the outcome tends to be more important. Whereas for the NBA, I feel like what we enjoy kind of what we enjoy to see reign supreme, which is why you can have teams that may not be winning organizations still stand as like must watch television. You know what I mean? Like we always say that this is a league pass team and it doesn't really hinge on their record or anything because they're so enjoyable to watch. And I feel like that's quite rare in professional sports. I feel like the entertainment aspect of basketball is it's so strong. And to me like that, the pageantry is just that the, I guess, artistic element of the sport. Like, yeah, I like watching this player because they genuinely they they are stylistically just very appealing to watch and we we even see it with the um the uh it's become kind of memeified but when we talk about real hoopers i feel like when i think of a real hooper when people say that i think it they, to them it means someone who who kind of plays in like a very technically sound and elegant way um and you know you i feel like that i i don't hear that description in other sports like i don't really i mean perhaps soccer where um that you know the beautiful game and everything i think they honestly truly mean like the style of play as well but um that's to me that's what the pageantry is in the nba okay so is is the venn diagram of your rooting interests basically like the elegance of dominant players meets the showmanship as well and right sitting in the middle of that is joel Embiid or something like that (laughs) um you said the showmanship and what was the other circle of the venn diagram uh, the elegance of the game. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there are, there are few players in the league who like marry the two really well, but they tend to they tend to be like the most successful. I feel like LeBron is another one too. Um, and you know, I feel like the the figures um, who were perhaps more uh, stripped down in their style of play, who didn't really engage in the the pageantry too much on and off the court. Like you think of people like Tim Duncan and stuff. I feel like it kind of harms their legacy in a way when they don't engage in that aspect of the sport. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that is interesting is, you know, the intersection of fans who kind of prefer basketball, no frills. Like it's a 62 year old white guy from Indiana named Dave who coached yeah. his whole life. <laughs> and he's like, why the hell is Joel Embiid? You know, doing an airplane on the court, Kawhi Leonard keeps everything straight. I hope he wins, that kind of stuff. But there's also, you know, there's a reason that not football, not hockey, but the identifiable players. And this, you know, maybe this question will be a little bit too far field for a basketball podcast. But is pageantry tied to the human existence because the NBA is by far the most human of the sports and what it allows you access to from the players and as far as their visibility? Huh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like the personality of the player is far more. Um, what would I? I, I don't. I, I don't want to say visible, but like the way we interact with the personality of players tends to impact the way we view them on the court in ways that I don't see in other sports as well. So, um, you know, when a player. Um, is I I feel like John Morant is probably a great example of that where um, his 
play on the court kind of leaks out into every every aspect of like his being that we can view like his his uh quotables after games and everything like there's so much appeal to him in that aspect but um you know I feel like in terms of basketball the way the sport is kind of intertwined with other cultures like you think of the way that basketball is intertwined with say hip-hop I feel like that just kind of adds to the human aspect as well because it kind of leaks out into um the arts it leaks out into um the you know even the off-court drama the um players are looked to as in ways that I feel like we don't treat other um they're looked at as a kind of cultural representatives in a way that I don't see otherwise. Like you think of the way we look to them during times of unrest. You look at the way we look to them for uh, their commentary uh, in regards to politics and the arts. Like you think of the fact that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like a accomplished writer, you know, in this day and age. Like, um, yeah, I think it is tied to the human condition. Who now pageantry, I think, I think I really, when you told me that's what you wanted to talk about, in being very familiar and being quite a big fan of your writing, I knew exactly what you meant. And I was able to identify what was my first example of pageantry in the NBA. And I've been watching since I was a young kid. And I thought Shaq putting a phone in his shoe, dancing with the Jabberwockies and making a rap song about Kobe saying, tell me how my ass tastes, like all that (laughs) different stuff while also being undeniably one of the most dominant forces in the NBA. It, who Who is your first example of like overt pageantry in the NBA? Because mine is Shaq, I think. Um, let me think. I think it would be, um, I think it was, I think it would be Allen Iverson. I think, mm. I think that Allen Iverson, um, not willing to compromise like any aspect of his personality, his, um, his, um, culture, not willing to compromise that for his job and kind of bringing that to the court, everything from his ass, from, um, his, uh, uh, having his hair braided <laughs> courtside, uh, whilst on the bench, um, his, um, he kind of triggered the, um, dress codes, for the league and everything. I feel like that was kind of the start of something. And it's what I kind of, what sticks out to me from my childhood. I think that's the aspect where that's the, that's the time where I think that the interest in the NBA kind of, um, it, it kind of uh, reached a new peak. Um, and it kind of just, it, it continued to ascend over the years. And we, we're at a time where it's kind of reached like a, ne- a different level in its entirety but yeah that that definitely sticks out to me um as a moment where I'm like okay this is a this is a very different league and um performance wise I think it would probably be um Vince Carter's um dunk contest I think that was another aspect to me where it was like a, a an event that was just so culturally significant but it had nothing to do with like professional basketball like the on-court play <laughs> mm. Yeah, definitely. The the it's over, like Kenny screaming in the background, Vince Carter. Like where do, where else do you see that? What other sport do you see that where uh uh all-star weekend event is considered like a defining kind of moment of the sport? Like that's nuts to me. Mm-hmm. So with Vince being probably, you know, that dunk competition, 
all 50s. Everything was perfect. It was just so quick and to the point. Boom, 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 everything. And then he's doing the motion of like, it's over. Kenny's screaming about it in the background. But I'm curious what you think about failed pageantry in the NBA, <laughs> which is like as big a thing, because especially in the internet age or shacked in a fool age. When we think of Scotty staring down Jaron Jackson Jr., and then trying to dunk on him before he gets absolutely blanketed at the rim. If we think about Nick Young turning around and, you know, signaling like that's a bucket, that's three points as it rattles out behind him. Like what is failed pageantry to you? That failed pageantry to me is like, yeah, it's entertaining and you laugh at it. You, you, we see some moments that are like truly hilarious. But to me, it's like it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of punk. Cause like when you, yeah. when you, when you engage in pageantry, you accept that you're, there is the chance that you will like kind of fall flat on your ass. And like that, the, devo- the devotion to that, um, I feel like I, any other person would otherwise just kind of disengage from it. If there's a chance that they'll, they can be humiliated and that like a humiliating moment can kind of define their career, even like it can go as far as that. And I think that risk in of itself shows that like, this is something that's so important <laughs> to the sport because yeah, you have, you have a uh, misplays and highlight reels, but the ones in the NBA are like particularly um, human. Like I, I feel like other sports, there are cases of like the yips or something where uh, you know, someone has a blunder or someone has a mental slip or something like they, uh, they'll um, fumble or um, I don't know. It, it, it tends to be like a very technical, the mistake that you'll see on those misplays, but with basketball, like it's just, it's particularly, um, it's, it looks particularly bad and hilarious. And I think that, that the fact that, um, the lows are so low is why the highs are so high because you, there are, because there are so many imperfect moments, there are also those ones where they kind of like, they have the potential to define the sport. They have the potential. Like you think of the perfect moments in basketball to me, like they're, they are almost like storybook. Like you think of, um, for example, um, the Kawhi shot to make it, you know, Raptors relevant. If, if he was um, kneeling and the whole, you know, when he, he passed, when he, when he threw up the shot and it started bouncing on the rim and he knelt um, got, you know, squatted down and the whole bench was leaning in with him. If it didn't go in, that would have been like a Shaqton, a full moment, <laughs> you know, when you think yeah. about it, but it just, it, now it's like an iconic photo. It's an iconic sports moment. Um, but if it, if it had missed, it would have been, you know, particularly silly, especially with the, with the Fred Van Vliet leaning and the whole bench leaning in and everything. And yeah, it would, it would have, it could have gone kind of ugly, but because they, uh, they were so committed to the bit, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, it turned out so well. Like to me, it's like they're engaging in performance. Yeah, that that is so interesting. And it also makes me think of, does pageantry come about in, you know, an accidental type of way? Because Kyle Lowry, for example, if you look back on his career, all of the accomplishments, all the great things he's ever done, I think you would be remiss to not visit when he tried to crawl through George Hill's legs. And that is not a moment where he's thinking about entertainment. That is not a moment where he's thinking about being cool. He's just trying to grind his way to something meaningful on the court. And yet it becomes kind of this a touchstone moment of how insane basketball can be at times and those who try to compete against it. Is that pageantry? 
Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I would say it is because he, Kyle, I feel like Kyle is devoted to a personality he um, portrays on the court in a way that Chris Paul is too. That is probably not how they are in real life, you know, off the court. I feel like they portray this personality in a way that actually participates in their actual play that shows up on the stat sheet. So to me, that that's an instance of pageantry that, you know, they, they don't have to engage in it. But the, way, the reason they do is because it yields results oftentimes. <laughs> but there are moments where it just looks absolutely stupid. But you think of all the times where Kyle engages in these little things that um, that you kind of question, are, are is that even like legal in the sport? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> oftentimes, like there, there are going to be moments where it's what is going on in his mind. And then there are going to be moments where it's like, this is absolute genius. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's the aspect of basketball that is putting on a show for the fans. And then there's the other, I guess, discipline, which is putting on a show for the refs. Flopping, exaggerating, grifting. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that is... I wouldn't say that that is pageantry because I feel like that has a very linear um, and right. de- kind of determined impact on the game in real time. Like, I feel like, uh, flopping convincingly is a skill that so many players strive to, um, attain, like no matter what they say, I feel like convincingly flopping, being able to sell contact is something that they all strive for. Um, and it has a, it has a very, um, you know, cause and effect, cause and effect impact on the game. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call flopping, pageantry but i maybe the style of flopping <laughs> could be considered um uh something more um uh like something that's specific to an individual for example james harden doesn't flop in the way that marcus smart would for example uh joel Embiid, i feel like doesn't flop in the way you um who's an example of a big man who flops very exaggeratingly is it vlade divach maybe like back in the yeah so someone who flails um really sells contact uh with no regard for how it looks on camera um yeah whereas i feel like someone like james harden is it's very um minuscule and subtle in the way that they sell their contact they're not looking to um look a certain way or something but then there are really guys who who truly truly sell it and it's like it's it's almost um it's almost cinema <laughs> the way they i feel have you seen that iconic um marcus smart flop where he kind of flops like a fish on the ground yeah of course i feel like it's the one that people refer to when they think of marcus smart like that that is like someone who's trying to make a statement <laughs> i mm-hmm. feel like well, yeah. uh, whereas you have others who are just kind of uh trying to gain an advantage in the game um, in a way that's not trying to make a statement. They're literally just trying to put points on the board. But yeah. I've uh, I've likened James Harden to a lawyer before, searching for loopholes in the rule book and then creating precedent by doing something. That yeah, type yeah. Of thing. But <laughs> as far as his flopping, I think you're right. That's a person who flops for work. And Marcus yeah. Smart is a person who flops because it's his passion. Like that, that is what he <laughs> likes to do. 
You know? Yeah, that, that's a perfect way to put it. Like there's one who's just flopping to win the case, win his case. And then there's another one who's flopping to, I feel like, make that point uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is the affectation of Marcus Smart's game, of his personality, is the flop. I, I'm curious also if you can jump the shark of pageantry, if you know what I mean. Because in 2015, the All-Star Weekend, which you know we obviously both love, it included in, quote, all-star style event where there was, you know, quite literally a fashion show pageantry for its own sake. What do you think of that? Yeah, I feel like that is, um, I feel like it's the same. I feel the same way about, um, pages that are like dedicated to archiving, uh, NBA outfits. I don't know. Something about it seems kind of contrived and it takes away from the, uh, the, what we spoke about, like the organic aspect of it. I don't know, like, um, I I feel like when it's forced and organized, it feels less real and natural. And I feel like the when it when it's real and natural, its progression and transformation over the years uh, is very fluid. But I feel like when they try and stage these things, uh, it just it, I don't know something about it feels quite. Um, I guess stale. It feels like it feels like the league. It feels very capitalist. I guess is the way I can say it. It feels like the league is trying to is seeing that. Oh, this is an aspect of the game that um, that appeals to an audience. How can we um, organize it and monetize it in a way? I guess, mm-hmm. um, w- which uh, just feels weird to me. I, I like seeing it when it's. Um, when, I like seeing it when players are testing the waters, um, trying to create an identity for themselves. Um, uh, trying to, you know, mold the le- their own legacy in a way, but when it's, um, you know, I don't know, something when it when it when you're creating an environment where it's going to be like uh, where it can um, foster one-upmanship, I don't know if I I don't know if I support that. I think well, no, I, I do think you're hitting on something. Is that when they play on the court, it is so hard to compete at N- NBA basketball while being anything other than yourself, because it's such a hard thing to do. It requires so much, Absolutely. such a physical tool yeah. that it it dictates that you can only ever be the true manifestation of your personality and the pageantry that comes up there. Yes, that could never be in some cases, sure. Like a little premeditated, whatever, but it, it's, it's the, it's that person, but the, the all-star style thing is uh, corporate. You know what I mean? It doesn't really, it doesn't really fit in. Is it, yeah. It's a, it, it, we often don't talk about it, but even the way uh, the, I feel like uh, something that has a huge impact and even how we watch the game and why basketball and basketball feels so different than other um, professional major sports is that even the way the, the pace of the game, I feel like people don't talk about that often. It's, it's why I feel like basketball appeals to me more than, say, soccer or other sports. I feel like um, some people are just drawn to the certain pace of the game. Uh, and the way basketball is played, uh, 48 minutes on the court, uh, you get, um, I feel like you get uh, longer stretches between stops as well uh, in comparison to, say, football. Um, and even uh, the moments of non-activity in baseball, I feel like in basketball, something's happening all the time. And I feel like that's why we hate challenges, coaches challenges so much or why people complain so much about the duration of coaches challenges because it disrupts the pace of the play. And then you add the uh, framing, like literally the videography of live basketball where 
you know, in uh, in soccer, there is a um, I feel like there's a distance from the field that makes it almost hard to identify the small nuances in players, like everything from like the way they would draw fouls, the way they would um, even run or just like the like the little details we analyze in basketball, I feel like are so almost it, it's quite visible in the distance of the camera from the court. I feel like there's just like, you could see everybody's face. You could see everyone's hair, like their hairstyle. Like it's, it's very unique. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I have two questions left. And the first one is, well, I'm going to preface it by saying fake fights in the NBA, fake fights in WWE, <laughs> all portrayed as quite masculine pageantry and this isn't my comment on it but pageantry is understood as a feminine thing or at least leaning significantly that way and yet when these players are trying to be the most masculine they can possibly be they are engaging in pageantry yeah because everyone knows 99.99 percent of the time absolutely nothing is going to come out of it so i feel like they might be doing a little bit there it might be their attempt to do a little bit of um i don't know i feel like perhaps because pageantry is considered such a uh is socialized to be feminine in society that maybe they're trying to counteract it but they just kind of inadvertently end up adding to it (laughs) and engaging in it further but um yeah like i don't i never see a fight and not try and stop myself from laughing. I don't, I don't know why, but most of the time, like when a player, when something happens and they immediately turn to confront somebody, it's, it's very natural, but I feel like, um, after the first 0.5 of a second, uh, it it becomes, um, another performance (laughs) in Mm -hmm. of itself. So, uh, when people say, you know, we got to allow fights, let players, you know, throw hands and everything, it's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to be as, you know, satisfying as say, uh, a hockey fight, which is like basically a part of the game, but, um, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in NBA basketball. And if it does, if it ever does happen, it would be likened to like WWE. It would, the, the pageantry of the sport would just leak out into the fights too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, is it a coincidence that Jimmy Butler, who, you know, will, he will latch onto any fashion shoot you throw his way. He, <laughs> he created a coffee, a coffee company as a bit. And he's been memed so many times because he always knows where the camera is and he's always performing. He's oh also he the guy. Too. He knows yeah. what to say. I wake up 4 a.m. <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. And he's the guy who's getting in the most quote unquote fake fights. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think no. it's because it's all pageantry. Okay. You look at Joel Embiid. Look at yeah. how many times he gets in <laughs> scuffles. Um, like it's, it's, uh, it's no, I feel like there is a correlation there. There's something, there's some, there's some connection in there. Like, um, not all of the most, um, uh, not all of the players who engage in the pageantry or really like lean into it are, um, fighters or are players who like to portray themselves as, um, uh, you know, hot blooded or something, but the ones that are, that happen to be some of the most, um, some of the most uh, pageant, I, what, is, what is the word? I don't want to say glamorous. I keep coming back to glamorous. It's not grandiose. Spect- grandiose, spectacular. yeah, that's the yeah. word. That's the word. Um, those ones are, they tend to be, um, yeah, it's, it's no coincidence that they tend to be um, the ones who um, 
I don't know. It's something about it is like they're very they're very engaged in shaping their image on and off the court in ways that like uh, I feel like in hindsight when these guys retire, it's really going to benefit their the 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 um the lore of their legacy. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have so many moments to turn to these. I feel like uh, perhaps it's um, the age of technology we live in. The fact that everything is so uh, is recorded and, you know, such high quality and everything is literally everything is archived. Um, I feel like players today in the year 2022 are so aware of that uh, and they're using it as a tool to kind of add to their I guess all-time status as well because that's something that's so important <laughs> I feel like to today's players like they come into the league determined not not just to make a living as an NBA player just you know live out their dreams they want to be the best of the best and they're willing to engage in like absolutely anything to um, help their case uh, down the line mm-hmm. well, I think also when you look back at in concert Michael Jordan and the NBA crafted storylines, crafted narratives where it was like Michael was the hero of the NBA and other guys like Charles Barkley were positioned as villains. Like that is pageantry. And it was all about curating, you know, this superhero style for Michael that made him super easy to cheer for that helped balloon the popularity of the NBA. I think that's, yeah. It's Absolutely. Cool. We're seeing it with the Nets and uh, Philly even. I see, I'm mm-hmm. really interested to see how this kind of, uh, uh, how, how it pans out over the next couple of years with, you know, the playoff uh, rounds and everything. I'm interested to see how it's framed in the media because all, all sides are engaged. Like it, it adds to viewership. Uh, it, you, you see um, programming that, you know, the NBA has a hand in stoking the flames of these um, rivalries because it ultimately, it helps their product. It helps the, um, the uh, draw of their product. So uh, I I feel like that is a I feel like that's the talk of the town right now. That's going to be um, something that uh, that's going to reappear constantly over the next I'd say two years. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam Silver started high fiving everyone in his vicinity when he saw Joel Embiid post the "My Biggest Haters" funeral. Oh meme. my goodness! Like he was like, "Yes, good. It's happening exactly the way we wanted." And that kind of leads me into my last question. It can be as many as you'd like, as few as you'd like. It could be one, but you're pageant kings, queens, persons of the NBA. Hmm. Let's think. Uh, oh, I'll give you um, a, a bit of an unorthodox. Uh, oh, wait. Pick. LeBron brings books that he doesn't read. <laughs> <laughs> While he's sitting on this, like the stationary so bike, crazy. he's on page one for weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, for do you pageantry. remember when I think it was Taylor Wilkes asked him about like yes. his favorite part or something? About about <laughs> and he starts Malcolm X, and he said he was a a very a very smart man, and that's his <laughs> takeaway from Malcolm. Okay, LeBron, please, brother, my guy. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's a great example. Um, huh. I okay. So yeah, my, my one of my picks is a bit unorthodox, but that's gonna be Nick Nurse. I feel like Nick Nurse is <laughs> Nick Nurse is theater. Nick Nurse is yeah. camp. Nick Nurse <laughs> is doing the most that I think a coach can do from their vantage point on the bench. Like I, I can't think. I I watch a lot of NBA basketball. I can't think of a coach who's as involved or who's as um 
uh, like the camera always finds Nick Nurse in ways that I don't think is the case with other coaches. I will see, I watch other broadcasts. You'll see the coaches a couple of times and it's usually within context. They'll turn to Nick Nurse just because he looks like he's struggling. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's he's squatting, he's bent over, he's red, he's yelling at somebody. He's um like there's always something that it, I, I I think it's uh, when you like he's such a chill guy as well. Like you know you look at his um, post games, he's like strikingly laid back. <laughs> he's you know he's never really panicking. Um, there there are times where he'll call out guys, but even then it's done in such a casual and um non-combative way um whereas you know you say say you have you heard like the quotes from um frank vogel recently uh, when they were approaching the trade deadline he had some very ominous kind of things to say about um russell westbrook uh, which is recently. hilarious yeah which is hilarious <laughs> but i i can't imagine ignorance ever doing something like that off the court i feel like he saves it for when he knows it's it's where, where he when he knows he has the platform when he knows he's most visible on stage so oh, yeah uh, you know, he's, yeah. So that's my, um, uh, my most random pick. Uh, but as for players, yeah, Joel Embiid is an easy choice. He's someone who, um, engages in the pageantry and like just thoroughly enjoys it to him. I feel like that is that aspect of, to him of NBA basketball is probably just as important as playing on the court as just, you know, being an MVP candidate. I think that he, um, just has a genuine enjoyment of it. And, um, Hmm, who is another uh, player? Giannis. How can I forget Giannis? Giannis is like, <laughs> Giannis is the protagonist in like his own story. Giannis is like the chosen one in his own tale. Uh, and he really, he leans into it. Like everything from the, even the branding of his shoes. Like he, he's someone who has leaned into uh, even framing himself with, um, we love to, um, we love to remind people of the fact that, yeah, he's a, Giannis is a, a Nigerian man. I'm, he's a Yoruba Nigerian man, but he's someone who has leaned into the, like the Greek mythological aspect of his, um, of, you know, of being a, a Greek national and everything. But um, uh, yeah, I feel like he's a great example of someone who um, engages in it in a very unique way as well. Like it's very uh, kind of no nonsense, but also very, very storybook. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe he has like a Disney, a Disney movie on his life coming out that he's been working on for years, but um, he's another easy choice to me. Um And yeah, I have an example of a player who doesn't really engage in it at all. Who's kind of like, um, he, who seems uh, thoroughly uninterested, and that's Jokic. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I, feel, I feel like Jokic just does not care. He spends his off season uh, in Serbia, like just away from the cameras. Like he's not going to be posted up in LA. I feel like Luca is even more visible than Jokic. I feel like Luca is someone who's going to grow to really love that aspect of basketball. But Jokic is someone who's just uninterested. Wait, the the interesting thing about Jokic is like there's you know they talk about like there's two americas two canadas it just you look at what Jokic is doing in the off season and he's riding like chariots and stuff like yeah. that just <laughs> these un and austin rivers he's he's such an enigma because he doesn't want to be known that austin rivers says oh yeah i can't work out with Jokic because this is what happens and he's listening to like this yodel ass yeah. music like just yeah. blaring while he lifts weights and it's like is this guy real yeah, yeah, you it's it's weird. Lo, Jokic's willingness to like not engage in it at all kind of adds to it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it, you know, I feel I can can players really um 
can players really uh, withdraw from it? I don't think so. I think that I think it's just like a reality of playing basketball, playing professional basketball in the NBA. I feel like uh, it's just a part of the game that you can't really avoid. Even like um, the nonchalance of his on-court play, like. I always compare Jokic's passing to kind of like a, a blind person playing the piano. I, something about it is, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know where, why it reminds me of that, but just something about it. He seems very, um, there's like a, a lack of like the concentration you, you'd expect. Like, have you ever noticed how it, I don't know if you saw that highlight reel of uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma's no look passes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like a that's like a very uh, there's a lot of effort going into his no look passes, whereas uh, with Jokic, there's like a disconnect between like the 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 mind and the body or something, and perhaps it's like his uh, his um, his uh, experience with water polo maybe it, it impacts his style of play, but yeah, Jokic is an interesting one. Yeah, Jokic when he makes those passes, you know he's doing it genuinely to fool the defense and Kuzma. You know, it's 100% because he knows the camera is like transfixed on him. So he looks at the pass he wants to make and then he no looks it. And it's like, well, does that count? And he's like, it depends where you cut off the video, bro. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and a like, lot of the no look passes, he was looking directly at the person, but just like in a very, like he was whipping his head around <laughs> and looking directly at them. Give him like the, what's it? The Debbie Ryan meme where it's like really flirtatious and she's yeah. looking up at the camera. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to say, Nick Nurse is like, uh, what is it? Uh, the scream, Munch, the the painting, um, which is oh, like, yeah. it's like it's like anxiety, like the human condition. That plus he also like quote unquote spills the tea in the book he wrote. Like literally in that book, you can find there's drama. He the way he tells the story is like OG was supposed to be bringing the ball up the floor, but Fred wouldn't pass it to him, right? And then OG silently passes by Nick Nurse in a hallway and says, he's doing it again and just doesn't break pace, <laughs> just keeps walking past him. And he put that in his book while they're both on his team still. Oh my he God. He put that in the book. What a drama queen. I like, I, yeah. And also Giannis, right before he won the finals, there's that video of him. You want to talk about one of the main plots of storytelling, the hero's journey. He's literally saying I've been through it all and listing all of the things he's failed at only to win a championship after scoring 50 points, yeah. like a week yeah. later. It's insane. <laughs> Giannis is, yeah. Giannis is like, I don't know if you read like those Percy Jackson books. Like, uh, yeah. Like yeah, Greek yeah. Mythology by the I lightning. Right. <laughs> Giannis is like, yeah, he's, he, he's probably like he, to him, he's like the son of Poseidon or something. Like he's like, he's, um, he's do what is, what is the name for that archetype? Like that storytelling archetype? Is it the chosen one or something? Yeah. The chosen one. Yeah. yeah. It's the hero's journey, but I, yeah, yeah. It's the hero. It's specifically like the chosen one. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That, that feels like a, a good place to end it. Unless you have any parting shots on pageantry in the NBA. Uh, no, I think that's everything. I, I haven't even fl fleshed out these like thoughts before. It's always something that I've just kind of accepted about the league. But lately I'm like, okay, this is kind of unique to the NBA. How do I even like word it? How do I break it down? Like, this is very, um, we haven't even gotten, I feel like we've gotten, we fleshed it out, but we haven't gotten into like the meat of it even. But uh, it's something that I'm probably going to like maybe articulate more in writing after I 
you know, organize some thoughts about it. But it's a it's an interesting aspect. And I think that people should think about it more when they watch it. Not only it just enriches the process and it makes it more fun to watch teams besides your own. Mm-hmm. Well, the most interesting aspect by far, and one that I think probably would require like an actual honest to God thesis paper is the intersection of the style of like pageantry in the NBA and how it correlates to winning basketball. The same way, you know, aesthetic entertainment, like where those meet and how often that leads to success that, that you have to deep dive into so much stuff, but that's definitely, that is like the question around the subject, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, that is definitely like thesis paper worthy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, Yasmin, is there anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here for the listeners? Um, yeah, uh, Dishes and Dimes podcast, of course. Uh, you can catch us Mondays talking about the ongoings of the league every week. Um, and you can see my writing in Yahoo Sports Canada and Complex Canada. Perfect. And uh, for the listener, uh, you've heard Yasmin on this podcast before, but if you, if you well, I guess if you haven't, uh, another co-sign from me. She does some of my favorite work. Um, covering the NBA. I think it's incredibly unique and insightful. And honestly, I cannot recommend her work enough. So please go follow her on Twitter and read her stuff and do all that. So Yasmin, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, listener. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.